Hello and welcome to the Kick in the Creatives podcast, hosted by myself, Sandra Busby, and my fellow creative, Tara Roskell, offering you interviews, inspiration, motivation, and a gentle prod in the right direction. And for lots more information, challenges, and other useful tools to help you get creating, you can go to www.kickinthecreatives.com. And of course, this is where you can also find today's show notes. Enjoy the show. I think we've mentioned John Bergman in nearly every joint podcast episode we've done so far. But if you haven't heard of him, you should definitely check out some of his work. John was born in the UK, but moved to New York City in 2010. His art has almost a sort of doodle-like quality about it. What I like about his work is it seems to be very much about play and experimentation. John's work exists in many forms, including canvases, murals, sculpture, toys, apparel, design, print, and even tattoos. Running out of breath there. He also does some really funny animation and video projects, which you'll hear more about in the show. As well as writing, illustrating books, teaching on Skillshare and its other projects, John has also collaborated with some very high-profile brands, including Coca-Cola, Samsung, Nintendo, Nike and Sony. We really enjoyed chatting to John and no doubt you'll enjoy listening. So let's get started. Thanks so much for joining us, John. I um, wonder if you've always been interested in art from a young age and sort of what sort of art did you create? Um, I think all kids, all children like making art and stuff. Everyone likes uh, drawing crayons and paints and stuff when you're younger. I can't really remember what I made, it's, you know, uh, splodges and goofy things. Probably uh, not dissimilar to what I make now. <laughs> uh, well, I was, I was just about to add to that. Um, you sort of just did splodges. And I think um, as adults, we suddenly take it a lot more seriously, don't we? We think, oh, this has got to look like something. Mm. So maybe you just, um, ha- you know, that child in you just stuck. Um, but did you, you know, how did you go about actually learning your craft now? Did you go to art school, any kind of art school? Yeah, I I studied art school, I did art GCSE, I did art A-level, I went to art foundation in Bourneville in Birmingham, and then I studied fine art at Nottingham Trent in uh, Nottingham. So I uh, studied art quite a lot, I guess, um, at, at school and university. Uh, that was always my passion. So what did you think to sort of foundation? Um, I think a common uh, feeling about foundation amongst uh, my peers is that it's one of the best years of your of your life. It was really great for me. At school, you only get to try a certain amount of media and stuff within sort of arts learning, and then on on foundation, it's so much broader. We've got to experiment with ceramics and and fabrics and. Uh, woodworking and, and printmaking and, and uh, had access to a lot a lot more uh, different sort of techniques um, than, than I would have done at school for A-level. And also you're doing art all day long, which was amazing, rather than doing it for a few hours at a time, maybe during a week. It was, you know, art five days a week. So for me, I was in heaven. That was That was really wonderful. You are a really creative man, um, and your style is certainly not like a realism style, is it? It's completely the other end of the scale. Which, um, and I'm just wondering how you got on with the whole 
fine art part of the course, mm. do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I, I had a really great time in Nottingham. Um, I, there were obviously some, I mean, some tutors really t- uh, took to what I was doing and, and some less so, but uh, I never found it a, a big problem. On my first ever tutorial with um, in the first year, my, my tutor told me, um, told me not to worry. And he said, um, he said, I'd make lots of money and have many lovers. <laughs> That's what he told me. Sadly, neither of those things particularly come true. But um, I, th- I think um, I, what was good about the course on Nottingham is it was quite broad-minded anyway. And it wasn't, you know, we, we, we were in the area post Damien Hirst, you know, British uh, art era of, of, you know, postmodernism and... Um, and sensation and all that kind of stuff. So it was a lot of, um, it was kind of a broad church, I think. You could get away with a lot of different things and call, call it art. So what I was doing probably was a little traditional anyway in the grand scheme of things, you know, not not hugely conceptual. So um, I didn't have any, any sort of uh, big issues. I do get a lot of emails uh, from students um, saying, oh, I'm on this art course and... I make work a bit like you, and um, and the tutors don't like it. What on earth should I do? And I think you should just keep doing what you're doing. Um, you know, everyone's uh, welcome to their opinion, and you can't please everyone, and you shouldn't be making work to necessarily please anyone other than yourself. And um, when you leave university, you're only going to come up against other criticism and comments and things, you know, from, from every every angle from everywhere that anyone that sees your work so um you know if your tutors are, are giving you some pushback on what you're making that's just good practice you know how, how you're going to deal with it how you're going to defend yourself to uh, how, it, how it might be in uh, the real world so how did you develop your doodle style um i don't know it's just naturally how i draw i didn't, I didn't sit down and decide I'm gonna. I want to draw like this, or I want to draw like that. It's just. It's just how I draw, and I often say, you know, how I draw is akin to how I speak, or how I think, or how I write. Um, this is connected in a way that it's just an extension of my, you know, personality, I guess. Um, and yeah, it's not. It's just it naturally evolved. I think. So were you doodling or doing that same doodle style when you were at school? Uh, it was definitely relatable. I've uh, I've had some friends uncover some like drawings and doodles from their school days and have sent me scans. Oh, do you remember this, John? You used to you know draw this while we should should have been learning French. And uh, I look at those drawings and there's they're similar, you know, googly eyed characters and. Uh, sort of noodly bodies and stuff. It's not exactly the same, but it's definitely, um, you can see the evolution. And uh, again, that's another common question I, I get. Was, oh, how do I, how do I, how do I find my style? How do I, how do I get a, a style? And I don't think you can sit and design it. I mean, you could, but then I think it's a bit, it's a bit weird and it's a bit, um, it's a bit forced. Oh, yeah, it's a bit forced. You got to, you just got to keep working. Just put many hours into it. And, and follow your nose, you know, create stuff that you like, that you get a kick out of. And then, you know, sometimes you make something and you're like, oh, that's, 
that's a little different to what I did before. What 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 is it I like about it? How can I focus on that bit? And and the more you do that, and you more you ref, refine what you're doing, then then you develop, and then you know that's how you that's how you start to have a, a distinctive voice. Um, well, or you could just copy someone. I mean, you know that happens a lot. Yeah, I'm never sure. That's a good idea, though. No, I think, no, um, being facetious. <laughs> It's sort of like, uh, yeah, plucking a style off the shelf. I think there's a lot of people that actually do that. And I've always mm. said, you know, a style, I think, comes naturally over time, doesn't it? Yeah, um, it's, a, it's a personification of you and how you are. Yeah. So you don't want to fake that because then you're not, you're not being yourself. And then ultimately that never ends well, does it, when we're, when we're holding a pretense and pretending. Mm. Mm. So, uh, and you don't need to do that. Every, everyone everyone's got something interesting about them everyone's got you know a, a point of view um doesn't always mean it's a loud point of view or a bold it could be quite it could be subtle um it could be delicate but it's interesting because it's you and that's and you just need to help you know bring that to the surface your your work isn't confined to paper is it certainly um when i was watching your video the other day the mm-hmm. tara sent me a video i'm um, sorry you have to put a link to that at the end of the show notes um <clears throat> I was wondering what kind of things inspire your creativity because you don't just draw, you'll find creative things to do even when you're sitting on a train or you're out and about um, just on the street. How how do you, what happens? Do you just sort of see something and think, oh, I could, I could make something out of that? Is it, does it just come naturally all the time? Um, Yeah, no, I think it comes and goes in waves. Um, Like it's a combination of a a few scenarios all at once of being a bit bored, feeling a bit mischievous, uh, seeing the opportunity, having a material to hand, whether it's pen and paper or your phone or a drawing app or, or whatever it might be, scrap of paper. Um, when all these things come together and you see that you have that little spark, then then uh, then you make something. But sometimes I'm sat on a train, I'm just a bit tired, or I'm just going to read my book, and and I you know don't don't have that urge. And I think over the years I recognise that sometimes um, I go through a period of doing that kind of stuff for a few months, and then it kind of lessens, and I kind of forget about it, and then I realise I haven't done something like that for a while and then I want to do it again so I think it comes and goes in waves and um, no one can be you know full-on creative 100% all the time Um, that's probably not normal you know we need time for our our sort of creative creativity like a muscle that needs to relax and then replenish and then it can um, sort of be used again so yeah, it's it depends, but uh, I think there's always something like you see something, and that gives you a spark, and then you go, should I, should I exploit that? Should I take advantage of it? I sometimes see lots of things that I would want to draw or take a picture of, but I just it's not the right time. I don't have the opportunity to do it, and you just sort of let it let it go. So um, so yeah, it's got to be the perfect storm. I'd, I'd say. You mentioned that you were um, you're quite mischievous. Were you the naughty child at school? <laughs> uh, no, I wouldn't say I was the the naughtiest, but I definitely got in trouble a bunch for uh, for drawing and doodling and not paying attention. Um, so never sort of malicious naughtiness, just being no. you know, just a bit cheeky and, sometimes. 
I often think of children when they're always, you know, spending time outside the classroom, although the naughty ones, I always think I bet they're creative and they just haven't, they just don't know it or their parents don't know it, but they just need to. It's possible, yeah. I think there's an energy to be creative. You've got to have a bit of an energy, a bit of a spark. And I think, yeah, you're right. Maybe there's, sometimes that can be a bit misdirected. Do you always carry a, a camera around with you then? Because when I was watching your video, I, I just wondered if you must have one ready to <laughs> ready for action at any given moment, or is it just your iPhone it's or just, your phone? It's just my phone, yeah, it's just right. my phone. But that's a camera. That's like we've yeah. we inadvertently everyone now, well, almost everyone's got a smartphone of some description, so everyone's got access to camera, video camera, drawing, the internet, you know, making notes like. It's all in our hand, like pretty much all the time. So um, rather than playing, you know, some some game on there or something, you could be making stuff. Um, and that's really amazing. What's your process for creating art? So you have this like spark of an idea. Mm. Do you just straight go for it or do you do a lot of planning and working out what the envision's going to be like? It really depends on what the art is. I think for, for the stuff with my phone when I'm out and about, there's, you know, it's... There's no planning. It's very quick and spontaneous. You see something, quickly take a picture of it. Sometimes take a picture of something or a video of something and not really know why. It's just got a feeling. Like, oh, this, this could be interesting. And then return to it um, a day or two later and then you're like, oh, why on earth did I video this? Um, and be a bit confused and sometimes not. And sometimes, you know, being, you know, feel you can make something with it. With drawing and painting, it, Again, it kind of depends what it's what it's for. Uh, a lot of my large scale paint, paintings are completely improvised. So, again, I have a sort of feeling uh, about what it might look like, or what, or what the painting might feel like, and then just try and try and get you know translate that, put that on the on the canvas or on the page. Um, very, very, very rarely do I sketch something out and then. Like try and fulfill the sketch. Uh, I only really do that if it's for a client or something and they insist on having a guide before they commission the work or something like that where they're a bit nervous about what I might make, uh, which in turn makes me a little bit nervous um, about what I might make. But uh, ideally, just go for it. I always say to people, if you don't like it, you can just paint it white again. It's not the end of the world. When you kind of working on this piece of art are you thinking about the commercial potential or are you just doing it for you because you love it you know unless it's a specific commission I mean uh no yeah never think of the you know there's too much to hold in your head at any one time I'm just thinking like I've got an idea to make something or oh I've got these new paints I wonder how that you know I wonder what what it would be like using them or these new pens or just got an urge to draw a large picture let's see what happens I think that's as far as I can worry about with that and then sometimes you return to work that you've made many months ago and then you can see oh I could use that in another way or that character is kind of cool maybe I should redraw that character and it could become a t-shirt design or a sticker or something um the main goal is just to create and put something down. Um, all those other things, I think, come come afterwards. And again, you know, it's not that it's wrong to be thinking of that um, while you're making. But for me, I, I, it's, it gets in the way. 
So I'm guessing you weren't always intending then to make a living from your art. And I suppose it must have happened by accident then, because that's what you do now, isn't it, for a living? It is, yeah, it is what I do. I'm very lucky and very happy yeah. that that's the case. Um, I wouldn't say, I mean, you've got to be a bit savvy about it and you've got to understand what it is you're making. And if you do want to make a living from it, you know, you've got to, you've got to think, well, it's easier to maybe sell a... a an A4 drawing than it is an A0 drawing because, you know, people might not have room for it or something. But um, I wouldn't say it happened by accident. I mean, I studied art throughout my, you know, uh, youth. So I obviously hoped for some sort of um, career in art making. I didn't know exactly what that would be. Um, I'd say the commercial stuff is what was accidental. If, if, If you could have asked me, you know, when I was 19, what I would, would do, I would say I'd be a, be a painter and I would have exhibitions and make paintings and sell them. That would be the dream. And I think the commercial stuff I had no idea about. It wasn't until people saw my work and asked me, hey, can you paint a, a picture for our band or, can you know, can you do this for this advert or something, that I realised you could make money commercially through through art and it's called illustration I had no idea about that until after I left university so you've done some really fun creative projects Mm -hmm. such as drawing bodies on people on the subway Mm -hmm. can you can you share some of those projects that you've really enjoyed uh well that one is a really simple one it started when I was in uh, Seoul in South Korea and again like I mentioned earlier being a bit bored on the subway, having a pen and paper to hand and having a little, maybe a little bit of a cheeky spark of an idea. And um, I thought if I drew the bottom half of a, like, you know, a body, a body without a head, I could hold up the piece of paper and sort of take a photo and it would look like the person sat opposite me had a new body. A bit like one of those seaside, um, what are they called? Because the sea- With your head sticking through. Yeah, a little seaside photo op thing. Um, so is it, you know, it, it was just a fun little activity to keep me entertained. You weren't sure whether the person opposite was going to get up and leave or get up and smack you around the chops or, or whatever. So, and it was bumpy on the subway. And so it had all these other little challenges, little, little sort of making it into a, a game, if you would, you know, so you could, um. It had random elements, um, and uh, yeah, sort of that, that way of thinking, that way of making work was relatively new to me. I had not made stuff like that before, and it opened up other ideas. So following that, I saw some movie posters where the actors were holding holding weapons, you know, like they like they do for advertising movies, and because I done this game on the subway was sort of playing with perspective I thought oh, I could do I could do a similar thing with this movie poster I could just sort of stand in front of it and and be photographed from a certain angle and it would look like the actor holding the weapon was sort of holding it against my head or against my body it's a bit grim and not not as fun and, and playful as my other work but the origins were the same it's just like I love drawing and I love painting, but maybe I can make work using the environment around me without even doing anything. Maybe I can use my body as a prop. Maybe I can use perspective as an element 
within you know my um, creative work and I really sort of got tickled by the idea of making stuff without actually making anything by just photographing things from a certain angle you change the meaning of something or the or you know how you read an image and I, I was really um, really excited by that so that started a project where I collected all these pictures of me getting shot by movie posters and that became a project on its own that was called Headshots and I put online and it got a lot of press and it kind of went um, viral and it got a lot of debate as well people saying you know what why are there graphic violent images in public spaces why you know why are we surrounding ourselves in our cities with celebrities or movie stars holding weapons, especially in you know certain cities that have have problems with like gun crime and knife crime? Why are we sort of glorifying these things? So from something kind of goofy and silly, became a project that that was a, you know a little bit more weighty, and, and um, that was kind of fascinating. It was really interesting to do. On the flip side of that, you know, I started to screen grab celebrities photos from Instagram and then take a photo of me and put them next to each other just sort of straight straight down the middle so not not sort of delicately cutting them out just putting one next to the other Um, and it looked like I was interacting with the celebrity Uh, and that was really fun Um, and just can you um, describe like one of them um, the first one I did well there was a yeah the first one I did was Miley Cyrus was eating a churro so she had this like I don't know what a churro is actually made out of I've never eaten a churro it's a is it like a donut oh yeah it's like a a fried bread isn't it but it's like a stick yeah almost it's like an eclair yeah so it was like a it was sort of coming out of her mouth so I sort of in a provocative way as is uh, sort of Miley Cyrus's way and um I took a photo of me with a carrot because I didn't have a churro, sort of m- mimicking her her pose, and I flipped it and inverted it so it looked like her churro and my carrot were sort of stuck together. So it looked like we were sharing a churro in a sort of Lady in the Tramp spaghetti scene scenario, um, and it, you know it only took five minutes to sort of make very very lo-fi, and the image is just stuck to you know it's just a vertical stuck together thing i think that makes it funnier though i think if it was perfectly done it wouldn't it wouldn't be the same yeah i mean the 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 idea of it is more powerful than the technical putting it together you know once i started making these and i did a lot of them people started oh yeah i've seen this guy does something similar and they're all very professionally you know someone has photoshopped themselves into an image it's not you know hadn't invented anything it was just like a fun way of doing it for myself um and I was like yeah but that kind of defeats the there's a there's a level of it which is funny because you know it's sort of badly made and yeah Yeah. and I, I quite like that and I sort of use that quite a lot in my work um which confuses people sometimes Actually, it's not necessarily about how how well made something is. It gets a bit boring when it's very technical. I think anything gets a bit boring when it's very technical. It's not about that. It's about the the idea. And for me, it's really important that you, the viewer, when you see my work, you know how it's been made. Like you're you're in on it. You're in on the trick. You can see. Oh, he's just 
taken a sort of out of focus picture and flipped it over and like oh yeah now I can see it's you know it's it's not important that the technical sort of aspect to it and I think maybe it makes creativity seem more reachable for the average person and because I know when I was you know, looking at your video, I spent the whole time just giggling. I thought it was hysterical. And um, like I said, when you sort of show your photographs just sort of chopped down the middle, mm. where the carrot meets the churro, I, didn't, I don't know if I saw <laughs> that one, but there's a part of it, the most important bit, that is quite well lined up, was very well lined up, but that's about it. The rest is literally, anyone could do it, but it's having the idea in the first place, isn't it? I think that's where your genius lies with all those ideas you have. But the, the point I'm trying to make is like, I think anyone can be creative. It's just thinking of it in the first place, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's just that little, that's the that's the exciting bit. It's just the spark. Yeah. It's just the, the idea, you know. It's not, I mean, once you have that, then, yeah, you can refine it and finesse it and all that kind of stuff. But I think a lot of people then get obsessed with that and then you lose the idea. The idea is the exciting bit, not like, oh, I spent 20 hours photoshopping and airbrushing myself into this picture and, and matching up the light sources and, and making the textures all the same. Like, oh, you know, very good if you can do all that, but no one's, I mean, it's, that's not exciting. The exciting is, is- Different kind of art. Yeah, it? it's a different kind of thing, and it's totally fine, but it's just, it's just, yeah, it's not, it's not for me anyway. I think, you know, you look at music, you look at, film you you know anything that it's when when people get overly technical for me anyway that's when I start to lose interest and it it becomes a little bit like you're just showing off how well you can make something but you know does Mm. it does it strike a chord you know does it resonate is it you know is it funny is it exciting that kind of thing so how do people react to it like you mentioned like when you're on the subway and you were scared you might get punched um do people know what you're doing and how do they react? Uh, I get asked this a lot, like, oh, on the, on the subway when I'm swapping my face out for, for their face. Um, do do people notice? I haven't really been spotted yet. So I've made a, a series of uh, videos where I put my face over someone else's face on the subway. Um, and I often post these on my Instagram and Instagram stories. Um the reason I make those and why I think I'm making those is because we're all on our phone. So the the victims, if you will, are uh, ambivalent to what's going on because they're on their phones. So that's why I'm filming them, because they're, they're easy prey, because they're glued <laughs> to their phones. So generally, um, in those videos, I'm, I only ever make videos of other people on their phones, and then I put my face on it. And... Um, for me, the idea is that we're all, yeah, we're all on our phones. I'm, I'm on my phone making this video, sort of, sort of having a, a, a joke with someone who is also on their phone. So, um, very. Although, didn't you put your, didn't you put your head on a baby? That's true. <laughs> that sure is you. true. That's very well remembered. That's an I mean, that, I couldn't resist. That's you know, well, the problem is when you're sat, you're sat on the subway in New York. Sometimes. Um, you know, a baby will be pushed into your field of view. You know, you're sat down and a parent will push the stroller or pram or whatever they're, they're called. Um, and the baby will line up perfectly with just as you, because you're sat down. So it's it's really difficult to resist um, filming the baby's face. It's, that does feel a little naughty, but it's really funny. So it's, it's hard to resist. But when you're, when you're, 
when you're drawing the people opposite, you're rather not drawing them, but drawing a little cartoon body and then putting their head on the top. I was just wondering if anybody had ever sort of thought, oh, he's drawing me and, and think you're drawing some kind of really serious portrait. And then they come and have a look and just see you've drawn frog's legs. And <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not, <laughs> that's not happened either. Um, I think another good thing about living in New York is that everyone just, you know, everyone's a bit weird. So um, you kind of get left alone, which is which is which is really great. Um, yes, I thought you were English. Oh, sorry, I thought you were American. No, no. I'm... And. And you even looked American, if there is such really? a... Really? Yeah, because... You mean I look like a movie star? <laughs> That's what Tara, she means, yeah. Tara's been talking about you for so long, as everyone who's listening will know. And um, I don't know why, but because I, I think it's just how you are, or you seem... I just thought, oh, he's American. And then when you said you're coming over to the UK, I thought, oh, yeah, he's obviously from New York. Well, you obviously are, but you, you obviously moved over there and I was really surprised when I heard your accent I thought oh, this is English <laughs> oh sorry is that, is that disappointing <laughs> no, not at all but what what made you just I know I'm sort of straying a little bit but what made you go to New York um I've been visiting New York before I lived there for, for a while for for work for exhibitions and events and stuff and I really always had a really great time there it's a really great city and I just thought maybe I was kind of thinking I should move because with my work, um, I was based in Nottingham and I was traveling a lot. And I just thought, what well, you know, I could kind of live anywhere. I was traveling places and making work in those places. Um, so I thought, what well, I could live anywhere. Why don't I move somewhere? And I didn't have any sort of responsibilities or reason not to. And it's a, it's a bit like being creative. Once you have an idea to do something, and, you know, a moment ago that idea didn't exist, but now it does. So now there's this thing where if you don't do it, you feel a bit disappointed because, yeah. you know, you suddenly have this idea. And I had this idea I could move and live somewhere else. And then I've, every every day thereafter when I hadn't, you know, realised that idea, I felt a bit disappointed in myself. And I kept saying to people, oh, I might move, I might live somewhere else. And, you know, a year or two went by and I hadn't done it. And I felt I felt a bit I sort of let myself down a little bit. I thought I could I'm not exploiting the opportunities I have to the fullest. So then sort of wrote a little short list of places I thought I could live, would like to live, and New York was the top of that list. Do you yeah. think in a way that's helped you along in your career living there? Do you think yeah. it would have ended up the same if you well just definitely had an impact on me I mean you can't live somewhere for seven odd years and, no. and not not uh, influence you in a way but who knows what might have been had I moved somewhere else or stayed where I was mm. I feel it's helped me a lot I feel moving being a foreigner being an immigrant being living somewhere else is a good thing and like um, it's good for me to be unfamiliar with my surroundings. It's good for me to see lots of new stuff all the time. I think that's that's good for my well-being and my creativity. And um, I think it's good for a city like, you know, New York is so diverse. It's great to be amongst that, you know. It's, it's, it's a real lovely thing to meet people from all around the world, all in one place. So, um, so yeah, I think it's been very positive. Do you create something every single day or are there days where you simply just don't feel like it? I think, yeah, I mean, I probably do most days, but there's definitely 
times where I don't feel like it or it doesn't occur to me. Sometimes I'm just distracted doing other stuff and mm. um, it doesn't occur to me. And I think, like I said before, I think that's fine. Um, sometimes you need replenishing time and just, you know, you accumulate ideas and thoughts sometimes without knowing it and then they come, they come to a head and then you make something and you're like, where did all this come from? And it's because you've been going around museums and reading books and, you know, spending time doing other stuff. Um, and then, then you have all this material within you to, for when you want to be creative. Hmm. So how would you suggest other people build a creative habit? Um, just think, like, you know, if you, if you want to, yeah, get into a habit, habit forming, start with something simple uh, and easy that you, you, that's, that's not impossible for you to, to do and something that you're going to enjoy and try, try and do it every day. Set yourself a little task. It could be when you walk to work, you know, maybe you, you have to photograph something that you're going to draw on later or, or even just photograph, just photograph something, photograph something unusual or photograph something that's red or green or blue or a letter or, you know, try and photograph words that then you can put all the photographs together and make a sentence or set yourself a really, you know, simple task and see if you you know that you can go with that and once you feel comfortable with that then you can broaden it out a little bit and I guarantee if you do do something like that whether it's draw someone opposite you or whatever that you'll get other ideas as you're doing it and you'll think to yourself oh this is fun what if I did it this way or what if I added this to it and before you know it you're you're off creating and making stuff but I think it everything starts from a very simple what if or you know how many of these can I do? Or so, 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 a little simple sort of setup. I, and it sounds cheesy, but um, that's why I made my my book. It's great to create because it's got all it's got all those little starting points which I use, and I thought it'd be fun to sort of share them with other people. So, if you want it, I would uh, highly recommend grabbing a copy or two of that book. And picking something from that and trying to do it, you know, that's why I made that book actually. So, mm. so that book really reminds me of art college and the sort of foundation course. But can you um, explain, like, maybe a couple of the exercises you've got in there? Oh man, now yes, <laughs> <laughs> some of them are very, very simple. Some of them are just like uh, at the beginning of the book, it's just about making stuff without a particular goal in mind. So there's there's a bunch of exercises that just explore. The materials so you get a you know a brightly colored pen and a dark colored pen and mash them together mix them together scribble scribble with them until the pens run out just make something without worrying about what you're making at all uh, you know drawing with your eyes closed drawing with your weaker hand drawing while singing drawing while talking uh, freeform writing just write what happened to you. You're not allowed to stop. You're not allowed to just keep going until you fill the page. Those are the kind of exercises at the very beginning. And what they do is um, they make you not scared of the blank page. And then you start attacking the blank page because you're trying to make these things very quickly. And it gives you an energy as well, which go goes into um, the other exercises. Uh, some of the later exercises are very um, goofy. Um, sort of making uh, characters and faces out of boiled eggs. 
Um, what else is in there? We've touched on some of those before, like the subway drawings are in there. The sort of simple collage techniques are in there, cutting stuff out of magazines and sticking them down, drawing around them, drawing over existing images. And yeah, you're right. Those are very much like uh, exercises you would get uh, on foundation. Um, Haven't you got googly eyes in there? Because I know Sandra is a big fan of googly eyes and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do love my googly eyes. I mean, yeah, yeah they're, they're great for all occasions. I carry googly eyes with me wherever I go. Um, you got some now? Not in this room, but there are there are some just next door. I'm scouring the room. I can see stuff in this room with googly eyes, but um, they're stuck. They're already stuck down on things. When when I was doing a, a video, I think myself and Tara were making a video um, a while back, and I'd never made a video before, and I find I found it really really hard to talk to my computer. It just and my face was on the computer as well, and I just found it really off putting. <laughs> So I was trying to work out a way I could kind of feel like I wasn't just talking to my own face. And I stuck um, a pair of googly eyes, one either side of the little camera hole. And I just found that so much easier <laughs> because my computer just turned into this little character. Yeah, so I, I get it. I, I get the whole googly eye thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, um, I'm a big fan of sort of um, <clears throat> low effort, high yield sort of work. So, you know, adding two eyes to something and it turns it into a character is is really uh, satisfying. You get a big, big smile from very low effort. So um, actually, I have a on my phone, you know, it has a, like a little camera on the front, which is a yeah. black dot. So I have a little googly eye next to that. So it, it kind of <laughs> looks like two eyes. And then the little on my phone, there's a little line underneath that it looks like a mouth with a yeah. beauty spot next to it. So, um, so yeah, you can you can turn anything into anything. That's 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 the amazing thing. Once you sort of unlock this in your mind, the more you do this, the more opportunities for it you see. It's a bit. It's a feels a bit like having a superpower. You walk around thinking I can manipulate anything I see into into a face, into a character, into something. Um, it doesn't always have to be a character, of course, but. That stuff I like, but yeah, you f you feel you have the ability to manipulate the world around you, and that's that's what creativity is. I think that's why it's so intoxicating and so wonderful. You've worked for some really big brands, haven't you? Like yeah. Apple. So mm -hmm. how um, do you balance doing work that excites you like that um, mm. and making a living? Well, I'm lucky that sometimes those things overlap. So, you know, working for Apple is earning a living, but it was also really exciting because they're very, they were very open to what, what I wanted to make and they were very um, accepting of, the, of, of letting me create what I wanted to make. So um, it's not always the, that's not always the case with um, commercial jobs. Sometimes it's much more prescribed and I try not to do those kind of jobs so much because they're not very fun. I try and let the fun dictate what it is and if I get paid for it then that's amazing but if I don't then it's still a lot of fun and I'm making something that I want to make and um, learning from that experience. So it's sort of, payment is always a bonus but um, you know practicalities come into play and sometimes you do stuff that's less fun but it does pay you and you got to pay your rent and you know living in New York is very expensive so um, sometimes you have to make those compromises. There's always kind of compromises with whatever you do. 
um, and you have to just weigh weigh up whether they're the ones you want to take or not. Um, and of course, you know, you, it's it, it's a, a lucky thing to be in a situation where you can even even think like that. And it wasn't always the case. You know, I did lots of work early on in my career just to get by. What did you do for Apple? Um, they've got these really beautiful video walls in some of their stores and some of their Apple churches. And um, they asked if I wanted to make a big sort of mural, animated mural for the wall. And I said, yes, yes, I do want to make a big animated <laughs> mural for your wall. And they said, all right, go and make one. And, uh, and I did. And there, were no, there was no sketches and no, um, can you... Can you draw an Apple computer in the middle or, or can you put a logo on there? None of that stuff, which was really great. Often when you do work for a, a company, they often make out that they want you to do your thing and be creative. And then midway through the process, they say, oh, we've, we've had some feedback. And can you put our logo in there? Can, can you draw our product range in there or stuff? And uh, who wants to do that? You know, that's not really very interesting for me. So um, hats off to Apple. They were very open and uh, it was a really wonderful project. And to see the work on those big screens was fantastic. They're really beautiful. So that was, you know, a, a privilege for me. And very exciting when it was revealed when I went to see it in the store for the first time. So do you ever hide little elements that mean something to you in, in your murals? Um, I've been tempted to in the past, probably for naughty reasons to hide <laughs> something. Um, but not really. I think for my own work, yeah, it's littered with, with stuff like that. And for commercial stuff, sort of. I mean, sometimes I draw stuff and I only realise uh, what it is later on, which is a funny thing. But um, I think it's totally fine. You you draw all day long, or you're making stuff all the time. You, just, you can't always keep tabs on what everything is. And sometimes someone will come along and look at my work and say, you know, is that so and so, or does you know who does that represent? What does that represent? And then you take a moment and you contemplate what it is, and you think, oh yeah, maybe it is this thing. Maybe that does mean something to me. And you didn't realise you put it in, but but there it is. Um, I was looking at a. A drawing I made a few days uh, a few days ago I was looking at a drawing I made a year ago uh, with a friend and they were saying that's is that you is that your brother is that so and so and they weren't really meant to be those people but they kind of really do look like them so <laughs> I think um, yeah you don't always have to worry about what it is you're making and what everything means and what everything represents and stuff some of that stuff comes later it, you're a con conduit to, to to the work. It's going. It's coming through you. And you're not always in con in control. And you shouldn't. I think it st stifles it a little bit. You contemplate and worry about every little line, every little thing. Um, sometimes you, maybe yeah. it's better on a subconscious level. Yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, you're just sort of, especially in the way that I work, in a very sort of loose and spontaneous way. That's part of the nature of it. And then you come back to it and you realise everything looks like your mother. <laughs> That's a whole therapy yes, session, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> so I can't, I can't really imagine it, but have you ever had a creative block? And if you have, how have you got over it? Uh, definitely had 
times where it's like, oh, what should I do for this? I think the the problem sometimes is you have too many options or too much choice. You know, if you look at that Apple example, you could think like, oh, I can. They're allowing me to do anything. Goodness, you know, what am I going to do? So I have a block sometimes, a bit like that, where um, I'm not sure what to do because it seems like you could do every, anything, and that's a bit overwhelming. It's a bit too much for my brain to cope with. And in those situations, what I do is I go to my sketchbooks. And uh, to anyone listening to this, I would say if, if you take away anything from from this conversation, is to keep a sketchbook to draw in it, not to worry about what you're drawing. If you don't like it, turn the page, do another drawing. Sketch, draw, scribble, whatever it might be, write ideas down and leave it in there. And then when you have one of these blocks, whether it's you don't know what to draw or you just it's too many options, go to your sketchbook. That's what I do. And I flip through the pages and I have hundreds of these sketchbooks because I, you know, keep them safe over the years <clears throat> and you can dip in and, in and out of them and you'll get ideas you'll be like oh yeah I remember I went through a phase drawing these things maybe I'll do that or this would be perfect for that project and it could be something that you drew years ago um, and you're you know, only using it now so I'd, I'd say, say that's what I do as I return back to my sketches and loose ideas and I rummage around and uh, I find something. I find something that I've forgotten about, and and then I take that as a starting point. And I find it really, really helpful. Quickly going back to what you were saying about um, it can be overwhelming to have too much choice. At this moment, I totally relate to that, um, and it's just given me an aha moment of why I'm, I'm actually on a commission at the moment, and it's one commission where the couple just said, "We don't care what you do as long as it's bright turquoise." Right. <laughs> It's the hardest commission I think I've ever done oh. because I'm totally blocked. <laughs> and yet if somebody actually says, right, well, we want this subject, but you can put your own spin on it, that's great. Mm. But yeah, I can totally get that whole way too much, um, you know. Too many options. Too yes. many options, yeah, exactly. And I think maybe you've just hit the nail on the head and maybe that's what is going on with me at the moment. So thanks for that. Oh, well, I'm glad, <laughs> glad I can be of help. Are there, I want to ask you if there are any particular artists out there that have inspired you along the way? Because I'm sure you're, you're inspiring so many people. So I was wondering who, mm. who you look to. I think, I mean, I don't, I don't really have sort of, this is my favourite artist. And I have, like, I think I cherry pick like sort of um, little bits from artists and stuff along the way, stuff that they do that I, I really like. I think I, I grew up with just um, just all the classic artists that you get introduced to early on in, you know, in art school and stuff, all the Picasso and, and Miro and people like that. And then um, Kandinsky. Um, I really, really enjoyed, like, you know, their works when I was younger. And then... As I got a little, little bit further through uh, school and stuff, you discover like pop art and things. And I re really like the work of like Klaus Oldenburg, um, um, people like that, I guess. And then, and then contemporary artists, you know, I like David Shrigley and I like Martin Creed and Keith Tyson and just lo lots of people, really. Lots of, lots of, lots of artists. There's so much good stuff out there. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. My mind always goes a bit blank when it's sort of reeling off lists of artists. But I don't, I don't have like one artist that I love and worship, and then I want it to be like. I think uh, going back to the style thing, that can be a little bit dangerous. You, know, you just try and emulate one thing. Um, mm. There's there's good stuff to learn from every artist, I think, and then you just take it and reapply it to to what you're into and what you know who you are and what what it is you're making. I always wondered if you like Keith Haring because he's he did that really lovely sort of doodle characters. Yeah, I mean, I would say this is I didn't really like Keith Haring uh, gr- growing up. I didn't know very much about him. I only saw his work on pencil cases and uh, sort of sweatshirts and things. So I didn't really know much about his work other than those sort of stick figures that he drew, uh, the sort of dancing characters. Yeah. Um, and I didn't really like them. Um, this was in the 80s and early 90s. It seemed a little, little bit, um, a little bit cheesy. And then since living in New York, maybe about five years ago, six years ago, there was a big Keith Haring uh, show at the Brooklyn Museum. And I went to see it. And then I finally got to see a lot of his drawings and murals in the flesh. And I really liked them. I really thought they were fantastic. And there was lots of videos of him painting. And I thought he was really great. And I thought we could have been friends if we'd existed <laughs> around the same time. Because there was lots of, not just the, the aesthetics of the work, of his work are great. But, I, you know, I don't totally love, but I do think it's, it's super cool. Um, but his attitude to how he creates and paints and and works in a very intuitive way I thought he was saying lots of things that I could relate to I was sort of silently nodding to myself as I walked around the exhibition and I could totally see how he'd made lots of things because it was a very similar way to how I feel I work um, so it was really nice to connect to an artist being shown in a prestigious museum like that and feel an affinity with them and normally when I walk around galleries and museums, I might see lots of things I'm into and enjoy, but I always feel like I've, I've been cut from a different cloth, that I'm not, not, I'm not really an artist like these people are artists, even though I like a lot of what they're doing and, and I can take little bits of inspiration from them. When I went to the Keith Haring show, I thought, wow, it's, you know, I could, have, I could feel like we're on the same wavelength. Not always feel like that. So... Um, so I'm a, I'm a big fan now, but I wasn't I wasn't growing up at all. But it's only because I never really saw his real work, I think. I didn't really have a proper understanding about how he created his works. I just saw the end product. And I, I think for him, it, definitely the process is part of it. So what's been the highlight of your creative journey so far? Um, just having a creative journey, I would say. Um, I don't know if there's any one highlight. I think... Um, it's just remarkable and fantastic to um, sort of. I'm quite old now. Uh, actually, today is my birthday. <laughs> Young. Oh, happy birthday! Well, thanks. I'm one day. I'm one, I'm one notch. What today? Today, right now. So I'm I'm one bit older than I was a few hours ago. Um, I've been doing this like nearly twenty years. So the fact that I've been doing it nearly twenty years is kind of remarkable to me. Um, and you know, when I speak to some of my peers, um, you realise what a 
what a thing that is to it's very tough to be a full-time artist um especially when you're doing goofy little drawings and stuff that that i'm doing so um yeah just the longevity of my career is a constant source of amazement uh, to me and i'm sure others <laughs> <laughs> so so is that what's brought you back to the uk then your birthday are you seeing people um not necessarily well actually it was to escape the heat in in new I york and then yeah here. exactly what a, what an own goal <laughs> that's turned out to be actually no it's been a lot more pleasant over here in in new york it's the the heat is one thing, but the humidity is a lot, lot higher. So it's really? like uh, it's like you're walking around in a goldfish bowl. It's... Whereabouts in the UK are you? I am in Peckham right now. Oh, Peckham. Yeah, I'm staying at my uh, brother's um, flat right. here in... Uh... You can expect Tara to be sitting outside your front door <laughs> <laughs> in about an hour. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I'm going to travel around the UK a little bit. I'm just here for a holiday, actually. Yeah, see friends and family, and uh, escape the heat of New York. And what what are your birthday plans then? I don't have any, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I might got no idea actually. We'll see what happens. <laughs> so, if you were to give some advice to someone who really wants to be creative but just doesn't know how or where to start, what what advice would you give them? Well, obviously. Buy one of my books. Uh, it's great to create. It's yeah. a good starting point. Um, and that's on Amazon. I've it just is, looked. It is. Skillshare. Skillshare as well. I've just put it in my basket. Oh, bless you. Thanks. Um, I'll just I'll just wait until you check out and then I'll continue. No. Um, sorry. Advice for people who want to be creative. Well, like we were saying before, just start simple. Grab a pencil and a piece of paper, something everyone's got access to. And just start drawing. Just make some shapes, make some scribbles. Go and see some art. Go and um, go to a gallery or a museum. See something and ask yourself what it is that you like about what you've seen. And um, take that inspiration and see if you can make your version of it. Make a lo-fi version of a of an old master. Try and do it in with a biro or or a crayon or do something like that you know just whatever it might be just just start making something um you don't have to show anyone you don't have to do anything with it and uh the important thing is to keep going and that you might be mortified by your early creations but that's okay We, we all feel like that and um just keep going just keep going see where it takes you because um, your book is also very similar. Your Skillshare course, isn't it? Yeah, some of yeah. The I've got two Skillshares, and the second one, the most recent one, is definitely a sort of uh, extension of the "It's Great to Create" book, where there's um, six six sort of uh, prompts or exercises to kickstart your creativity. I think that's what we call it. So. Um, so it is, it is the great to create 101 fun creative exercises for everyone, yep. right? Yeah, because next to it, in brackets, it's confusing because it says colouring books. It's not a colouring book, It's not book, a colouring book. I don't know. It's on Amazon. Ah. Maybe that's some someone yeah. has mislisted yeah. it. I have made a colouring in book <laughs> and a sort of doodling book called The Daily Doodle, but those are separate books. But, yeah, if you write my name and, and Google and write books or 
something. It should come up. I just want to ask a very serious question. Who who may moves the puppet and stuff on your Skillshare? Well, that is who a was? very good question, and I'm glad you've asked that because that puppet is beautifully made, and it's by a lady called the Felt Mistress. And mm-hmm. Her name is Louise, and she has made a multitude of characters for me out of felt. And she is uh, brilliant. She's really, really talented. And she made Bergsy. So if anyone visits my Skillshare class, they will see I'm not alone presenting that class. I have a sidekick, and his name is Bergsy, and he is a very naughty burger. You must have a sidekick that you take around with you. You know, though, we were talking about the posters where you sort of like pretend that the weapon mm. is sort of... Oh, yes. You. Well, I, I have a friend or, or um, yeah, if I'm with someone, I get them to take the photo. So, yeah. It's, yeah. And you've got tomato ketchup in your Well, in your I, I do that digitally <laughs> afterwards. I did think about it. Oh, yeah. do you? Oh, I wondered how you yeah, did that. Yeah, it's very, very lo-fi. I take a photo, and I put it on the computer, and I use Photoshop, and I select red, and I scribble over my face, and there you go. <laughs> I didn't want it to be too gruesome. There was an early version where I, I got my friend Daniel, who's very good at computers, and I said, can you make it look like I've been shot? And he did, and it was really graphic and horrible, and I was oh. like, I'm not... It's too much, so I had to say no. So what are your plans for the future? Um, I'm going to hopefully make more books. Uh, I've been making story books as well as sort of creativity books, so I'm meant to be making some more picture books, so I've been working on those. Um, I want to do more animation, so it's a lot slower process because it involves more work. Um, but I would like to do more uh, animated work and just more of the same, more of what I've been doing, more live drawing, more projections, more installations, more taking the work off the page or off the wall and making it an experience or making it something a little unusual that, that um, people can in, engage with. Um, but ultimately, when it, what it comes down to is, is just like sharing those sharing the work, sharing the stories behind the work with people and just finding dif- different novel, exciting ways to do that. I've, um, when I watched your video, I was obviously you were doing a talk, weren't you, to a whole audience full of people with just you and your computer. Mm. That must be really... Do you do those often? Because that must be terrifying, surely, um, standing on a stage and just... Because presumably you haven't got a, stri- a script, no, obviously, no have script. you? Just... It's Im- improvised. That's, that's the way I live my life is... Yeah. Uh, improvising yeah. everything um i really enjoy doing that it is a little terrifying but that's why it's fun i don't really like roller coasters people say those are terrifying but fun but for me uh, being on stage is my equivalent of that kind of thing it's a little you know hair raising but it's exhilarating and it's really great to 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 connect with a big group of people and you're sharing ideas and making them laugh, and it's really wonderful afterwards. People come up to you and say, you've, you've inspired me, and I want to draw, and I want to do this, and you've given me these ideas. You know, people are, are buzzing. That's w- wonderful, wonderful to be part of that. Um, and, you know, it's a two-way thing. I feel really inspired and excited after that as well. So, um, 
yes, yeah, it's, it's really it's really good fun. I don't I do it once I do it a few times a year. I do it whenever people ask me, so I don't do it all the time. But once in a while, I uh, I do it, and it's good. It's good. Yeah. Um. I say when I was watching because you're on you. It's on YouTube, isn't it, Tara? I think we're going to have to put a link to that on. Yeah. The bottom of the various show notes. various talks um, people share online. Yeah. Yeah. But I think I think as well why people find you so inspiring. Um, especially people who don't think they can be creative. I think everyone thinks to be a creative, you've got to be able to draw. But actually, you give people so many other ways of being creative where you don't have to be able no, to draw yeah. at all. You just have to be able to have an idea and a little creative yeah. spark. Um, so I think that's probably where you, you're just gold, really, <laughs> that you, you can inspire anybody. Um, oh, yeah. So, so where can apart from your YouTube channel and Skillshare, mm. where can people find out more about you? You've got an amazing Instagram page. I know that because I oh, follow thanks. that now. Yeah, I mean, I, I post a lot of stuff on Instagram and on Instagram Stories, and I use Instagram Stories as a sort of experimental space to share digital things. So I'm always posting stuff on there. It could be drawings, could be music, could be little videos, little animations, um, stuff like that. So definitely check that out if you want to see more of my stuff. I've even, this is, I don't know how familiar people are with Instagram TV. That's a little offshoot of Instagram. I started making sort of uh, short form episodes on there so if you're feeling brave and want to investigate instagram tv i've got a couple of episodes which you can see you can see my studio in new york and you can see me making stuff and painting stuff and and creating on there and i'm going to continue to make episodes for that um my website which is uh, i should say all these things in my name so if, on instagram it's just john bergman at John Bergman, and my website is just my name, johnbergman.com. You can see some of my projects on there and some of my older projects. Um, we mentioned the books. Oh, what else? I think that's kind of it. I don't know. There's, there's probably uh, there's burgerplex.com, the online. And burger, can you spell Bergman? Yeah, just so it's, well, knows. John, J-O-N, no H. Don't put an H in there. You may be tempted. Don't do it. You don't need it. And then Bergerman is 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 as it sounds, Burger, B-U-R-G-E-R, and then Man, M-A-N. So John Bergerman. Uh, so dot com for my website, at John Bergman for Instagram. There's John Bergman on YouTube, John Bergman on Facebook. There's all you know, Twitter, I don't know. You'll be sick of me. So just basically type, type John Bergman yeah, into Google you don't and he'll need come all that up. Stuff. It's too much. Just pick years. one or two. That's all you need. Um, and then yeah, if you you know if you and on Instagram and on my website and stuff, if I'm doing live events um, and projects that you can come to, I'll probably be promoting them on there. So always keep an eye out because I think the you know giving doing the talks and having the exhibitions those are the really fun things. So. Um, so, yeah. Are you doing anything live while you're in the UK? No, this is a really rare time. I've come to the UK without any projects. And a, a bunch of people have asked me, which is really flattering. Um, but no, I'm just I'm just here existing. Relaxing. Relaxing, eating some chips, hopefully. Well, thanks for um, spending time with us on your oh, birthday of okay. all days. It's we had fine. no idea. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for inviting me.
No, well, that was inevitable, to be honest. <laughs> I think, how many times, how many podcasts are we on now? But it's oh. been every single episode. The name yeah. has come up. So, yeah, you could run, but you could never hide. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank well, you so very much, welcome. John. Very nice chatting to you both. All right, yeah. see you later. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you did, perhaps you'd like to share it and leave a review for us on iTunes. Back soon.